What do you say to that? I, I, I don't know. <clears throat> <I'm> <laughs> oh, guys, it's so good to see you all. And um, let me just say, next week, please come to worship next week. We have uh, some of our staff that's going to be leading worship. And uh, so Zach, uh, our comp pastor, is going to be playing guitar. Charlie's playing guitar. I'm playing guitar. Randy Mosteller, our executive pastor, is playing bass. Curtis, our student pastor's playing drums. Shelly Mosteller's playing something. Wrenches, I don't know what, some type of percussion. She'll do something creative. Rachel uh, Butler is singing. We're, we're going to have a great time. And, uh, and, and just, we want you to come out and enjoy it. It's definitely not going to be as good as it was this morning, but we're going to show a different side of our staff here at church. We'd love for you to come to that. Also, last Sunday, I mentioned uh, some of our original members, Andy and Linda Richmond. I went and visited with them this week. They're in their mid-90s, and uh, they need some yard work done. And so on Saturday morning, 9 a.m., we're going to meet in the parking lot down here in front of the comm. We're going to go out to Andy and Linda's. They live off of Stahl Labor Road, all the way out on the west side of Hamilton. Bring a weed eater, bring some clippers, some trimmers. They've got a lot of property. They need a lot of help, and we just want to serve them for everything. He was one of our first elders here at Community. So we want to serve them well and honor them. Uh, so show up Saturday morning. It'll be a good couple of hours out there. And then uh, you can go about your day. Let, let me ask you a question. Have you ever asked yourself, why do I do what I do? Anybody, you ever asked that? Why did I do that? Why do I do what I do? How many of you set your alarm to get up in the morning? Yeah, a lot of you? Yeah, okay. How many of you jump up before the alarm goes off? Yeah, okay. You get to the office early, those people that jump up before the alarm. Your motto is, early is on time, on time is late, and late is unacceptable, blah, 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 blah. You know, you people, I, I, I don't know, I get it, I don't like it, but I get it. I mean, you're the first ones to the meeting, you're fired up, you drive everyone around you insane, because you're so chipper in the morning and they're there early, let's go, let's go, let's go. Why do you do that? When you're at a restaurant, okay, healthy choice or better tasting choice? How many people are a healthy choice? How many people are a better tasting choice? I knew I liked this church for a reason. Man, it, it just, healthy choice is what? Grilled chicken and broccoli. That's the healthy choice. The better tasting option is chicken fried steak with mashed potatoes and gravy and coconut cream pie. That's the better tasting choice, right? Why do you choose what you choose? This might be a little deeper question when it comes to your finances. Do you put God first or do you put your wants first? You put God first, you give him the first 10%. You manage your income in a smart kind of way. You see God come through for you time and time and time and time and time again. And then, after you manage your, your, your resources wisely in God's kind of view, you even have money to help out the people around you, maybe your family or friends or people in need because you're following God's plan for that. Do you put your wants first? Do you spend everything that you make and even more than you make? 
Are your credit cards maxed out? Do you not have enough money to make it through the next paycheck? And you're stressed out over how you're going to pay any bills at all in your life. Why do you do what you do? Maybe even bigger than that, why do we do the same things over and over and over again? Because that tends to be the way we live, right? The same things over, 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 over. Whether they're good or they're bad, that tends to be our pattern. I mean, maybe for you, maybe you do it because you feel obligated to do whatever you do, right? You want to be a good mom. You want to be a good dad. You want to be a good friend or a good coworker, or you feel obligated to obey God. So you do what you do because you feel obligated to do it, right? It's just the way it is. Another reason is you do what you do is because you actually want to do what you're doing. I mean, you want to please your spouse, and so you do everything you can for them. You want to be disciplined. You want to love the people around you. You want to make the best choices, and you do it simply because you want to, because that makes your life better. Another reason, and a lot of us do this, is you do what you do because you want to be accepted. Anybody else in that category? That's why you work so hard taking the selfie to make it just right. You work so hard to make sure your eyes aren't closed. You work so hard to make sure your hair looks just right. Well, look, at, look at this one. This was us this last week. That's my wife, Joellen, if you don't know her. Um, that's us at the, uh, the Black Barn in Lebanon, right there, the, the sunflower type, type picture spot. Well, let me just say, that was not our first picture, all right? I mean, it's like, well, there, there, are, there are ridges. I'm standing up on a ridge. I'm standing down in a ridge. It's, do I need to be behind you, in front of you, beside you? How do I stand? Well, well, that flower, no, that's not the right, the right angle of the sun. We've got to turn this way. And that sunflower doesn't have a bee on it, and we want to be in the picture. And, and, and my hair's not right. My eyes are closed. I'm not smiling quite right. And that was just for me. I mean, my wife takes beautiful pictures no matter when it is or how it is. She's, she's, always, she's always good. She's incredibly beautiful. But I look at that, and it's like, why do we work so hard just to get a selfie? Why do we do that? Because we're trying to create an image so that other people think we are what we want them to believe that we are. It's not necessarily what we are. It's just what we want people to believe. You see that picture of us, you go, oh, aren't they happy? We were fighting all the time, taking, those, taking that selfie. We were fighting getting into the Jeep. We were fighting driving. It was just, it was that type of a morning, right? And so we want people to believe what we want them to believe about who we are. Craig Rochelle says this, the biggest reason you do what you do Write this down. If you're going to write anything down today, write this down. Online people, write this down. You do what you do because of what you think of you. Craig Groeschel is a way of rhyming things, and he's great with that, and I love this saying. You do what you do because of what you think of you. It's all about our identity. We do what we do because of what we think of ourselves. Here's what it says in Proverbs 23, 7. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. 
as you think about yourself, who you are, that's who you become. That's what this whole series is about. It's about why we do what we do. It's about change. It's about who we are. And it's based on Craig Rochelle's book called The Power to Change, Mastering the Habits that Matter Most. There's a study that talks about in this book about three questions that we all ask ourselves in any situation. And we do it without thinking about it. And the answers we come up with determine what we do in those situations. Now, we don't think about these like, oh, I'm going to ask these three questions. They're just subconscious. They just happen in our minds. And the first question we ask is this, what type of person am I? What type of person am I? You face any kind of situation and you categorize yourself. Am I the kind of person who takes shortcuts? Am I a disciplined kind of person? Does my faith matter in my decisions and my actions? What type of person am I? And then you ask yourself, what kind of situation is this? Again, you're not thinking these things. They're just going on subconsciously in your mind, right? What kind of situation is this? What kind of person am I? What kind of situation is this? And here's the third question. What does someone like me do in a situation like this? Those are valid questions. What does someone like me do in a situation like this? That determines what we do over and over and over again. What kind of person am I? What kind of situation is this? And what does someone like me do in one of these situations? Let's say you're taking a test. It could be any kind of test. A test for work, a test for school, whatever kind of test it is. And knowing some of you, you probably didn't study for that test. And so your buddy sitting next to you, your friend sitting next to you, you can see their answers. So, do you look on their paper? Do you cheat or do you not cheat? I don't know, maybe, maybe with you, maybe you go into a store and there's just something inside of you that tempts you to steal something. You just go, nobody's going to know. No one will see. I can just take it, put it in my pocket. I was watching a video this past week and somebody stole a guitar out of Guitar Center. They stuffed it down their pants and the neck of the guitar is up here out of the guy's shirt. He's trying to cover and he's walking out of the store like he's trying to steal a guitar. How do you do that? I have no idea. He didn't either. So he got caught. But we're tempted to do things and you, you know, you're, you're, you're going, okay, well, maybe I can steal this, maybe I can't. Or maybe you're tempted, maybe for you, you're tempted to be generous. Maybe you're tempted to help someone. Maybe you're tempted to make an impact on their life. Maybe someone hurts you and you actually choose to forgive them. Maybe somebody has destroyed you with all of your friends and people that know you because they gossiped about you, things that weren't true, but they did it anyway, and now you have an opportunity to do it to them and destroy them. Do you do it? Do you not do it? Maybe for you, you know, it, it's, it's something that's good. It's, it's something that you want to believe the best about someone. Why do you do those things? Why do you do that? You do what you do because of what you think about who you are, what you think about you. 
What kind of person am I? What kind of situation is this? What does a person like me do in a situation like this? Think back to this morning. Let's revisit the alarm kind of, kind of thing. Your alarm goes off. What kind of person are you? You hit snooze or you get How many people hit snooze? How many people get up as soon as the alarm goes off? How many of you are lying? Okay. <laughs> How many of you hit snooze two times? Three times? Four times? Yeah. You, you know, since my son called me old man, I'm just going to tell this story on him. They lived with us for a while in our house. And every morning, we're up early, and we're ready to go. We're in the kitchen. We're feeding the dog, whatever. We're up early, and all of a sudden, their alarm goes off. Okay, alarm goes off. No problem. Hit snooze. The alarm goes off again. They hit snooze. The alarm goes off again. They hit snooze. The alarm goes off, and they don't hit snooze anymore. It's just going off. I want to go up into the room and rip the alarm off the wall and throw it against the wall so it shuts up. How many of you do that? Yeah, some of you do. Okay. You know what, those, that's just the type of person maybe you are. That's, that's how your morning goes, right? In that situation, that's who you are. Or maybe for you, again, you're the type of person that gets up before the alarm. And maybe, again, we're thinking about today, you got up before the alarm, you got here before church started, you sat on the front row, uh, nobody did that, did you? Okay, no, never mind. That, that's not happening. You, you know, but you got up before your alarm. You got here. You helped set up. Thank you for sitting close, so close to the front. I appreciate you. There's openings up here if anybody want to come up, by the way. Or next week you can be in the front. Anyway, that's the type of person you are as back row Christians. I got it, all right? It's okay. Anyway, the type of person that you are. Or how about you? Somebody cuts you off. I don't know why I always come back to this illustration because it affects me every single day of my life. You know, somebody cuts you off in person, and some of you, you want to bring justice, right? I mean, you want to bring holy justice to those people, especially since they cut you off in the church parking lot this morning, and you still were doing the holy justice kind of thing. I've seen some of you, all right? I, thank you for sitting down front. All right, good job. Yeah, give them a round of applause. Nice job. <laughs> there you go so somebody cuts you off and 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 you you just it's who you are and that's what's happening in your life but the problem is you didn't think about the person that cuts you off you only thought about you you didn't know if maybe i don't know they're leaving the parking lot because they're having a baby maybe they're in a hurry maybe maybe, maybe there's somebody in the hospital maybe they're just a bad driver Maybe they're in a hurry to go home and watch the Bengals lose again today. I don't know. I'm just putting it out there. Hey, if that's who you are, I get it. All right, it's okay. What type of person are you? In every area of your life, you tend to do what you do because of what you think of you. What kind of person am I? What kind of situation is this? What does a person like me do in a situation like this? Several years ago, we lived in Lakewood back here behind the church, and on one side of me, we had six foot seven, maybe six foot eight, Big John as my neighbor. On the other side of me, we had five foot three, Lee, 
And they were both, she was powerful, he was powerful, they were both big personalities. And one morning, my wife and I run out onto the front porch because we heard someone screaming. Lee comes out of her house, full force, full mom mode, screaming, yelling. Big John comes out of his house, full force, Big John the dancing trucker mode, maybe you know him from the corners, you know, full force, big personality mode, and they are standing in front of our house, yelling at each other, using words I have never heard before. I'm telling you, they were saying stuff I'd never heard before. They were good. It was like Big John's looking down, Lee's looking up, she's ready to take him out. And she might have, actually, I, I'm, I'm not sure. But anyway, it's like I'm standing on the porch and, 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 and I have to figure out what kind of person am I, right? I mean, what kind of, so you know what I did? I told Joellen to go pop some popcorn. We're going to watch a good battle here. I mean, it's pay-per-view and it's free on our front lawn. No, I tried to help cool things down. I wasn't going to step in the middle, but I was going to verbally help to cool things down. And so we got that thing cooled down. Lee stormed back to her house. John stomped back to his house, and eventually it all worked out. But I had to make a decision. What kind of person am I? In every situation that you're in, you do what you do because of what you think about who you are and what you are and how you are. Why can't I change? Why do I still lose my temper? Why do I still find myself going back to the same bad habits over and over and over again? Well, friends, if you want to change what you do, change what you think of you. Change how you perceive yourself. When you think of who you are, is it easier to believe the bad things about yourself or the good things? How many people easier to believe the bad things about yourself? That's going to be most of us. Anybody believe the good things about yourself? That's special. That, that takes a different personality to believe the good things rather than the bad things. Because the bad, the negative, the destructive, that's where we stay focused most of the time. And that's where our enemy, Satan, wants us to stay focused. That's what he wants us to believe. John 8, 44 says this. He was a murderer talking about Satan from the beginning. He has always hated the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it's consistent with his character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. And Jesus says, so when I tell you the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. Because you've been believing these lies the whole, your whole life, every day of your life. And when I tell you the truth, you just don't believe the truth about you. Now, Here's some, some truths about what, what Jesus tells you about who you are. He says you're loved. He says you're free. He says you're forgiven. The problem is we have been so programmed by the lies to not believe that, that when you start believing it, the truth will set you free. It frees you from everything that you're stuck in. You're so used to hearing that you can't change that you'll never be faithful, that you're not a real man of God, that you're not a good mom, that you're never going to be financially free, and you can never overcome the addictions that you're stuck in, and you're always going to be addicted, and you're always going to be stuck. It's just easier to believe the lies, right? 
Why? Because you don't have to work to get out of them. You don't have to trust anybody else to get out of them. You just believe what you've always believed. Now, with all the dog stress we've had, I talked about last week, our giant schnauzer had uh, a toe that had to be removed because of cancer, and, and I, I never finish stories on stage. I apologize. Uh, we got the report, reports back for her. It was cancer. They took the whole toe. She's good. So no more treatments, which is a, a great thing. They did, took the stitches out of her toe and a five-inch incision on her back, which was not cancer. Those are all great reports, and she, they took those out on Thursday. She's doing great. And then we talked about Mocha, our Min Pin Mix. Yeah, thank you. I'm sure she appreciates that, that applause. I love her. She's my dog. I, I love her. And then we got a Min Pin Mix that we found out is now a diabetic. And so uh, Joellen's been giving her shots, and Joellen's been gone for the past couple of days, and I've had to give her shots, and all of that is working out so well. She's doing so good. We're not stressed out, still a little stressed, not as stressed out anymore about giving her, you know, a couple shots a, a day. But because of all of that, I got into this funk in my, in my mind where I just started thinking I'm selfish because she gave the first shots and she did that for the first few days and, and that really bothered her. And then it started bothering me because I felt like I was being selfish. And, and then my mind starts going places. Uh, maybe I'm just not good enough for her. I mean, maybe, maybe you know, she'd be better off without me. Do you do that? Anybody else go down those, those, those paths of the mind of being negative? And while I was in that state, I read part of Craig Groeschel's book, and he says this, when you do something you're not proud of, the devil doesn't tell you that was just a, a momentary thing and God is, is, is really with you and you're still really full of the Holy Spirit. No, the devil doesn't tell you you did something bad. The devil tells you you are bad. And how true is that? That's the truth about a lot of us. That's the truth where a lot of us live. The devil attacks our identity. You're not worthy. You should be ashamed. You're pathetic. You're, you're not the real thing. You're a hypocrite. You're an addict. You're a loser. You know you can't change. This is just the way that you are. He's lying to you about your identity. And then here's what happens. Your distorted identity starts to sabotage your success. It just does. You start to think, it's just who I am. It's just what I do to cope. I take the pills to cope. I drink to cope. I cheat to cope. It's just what I do. It's my identity. Or you start to think, you know what? I, I, I stink in handling money. I mean, I'm just always going to struggle with, with that financially. I'm never going to get ahead. I'm always going to be broke. So you just go to Amazon and you put a dozen things in your shopping cart and then you hit buy it now because that's how you cope. You just buy more stuff. Or you think, I've never really had any close friends, so I can't trust people. So you keep putting up this false front, and you keep putting people at a distance, and you never really let anyone in because you believe that you're not worthy to be loved. Those are all lies. Satan takes your distorted identity, and he uses it to create destructive habits. This is important. It's a cyclical kind of thing. And then your destructive habits reinforce your distorted identity. 
You don't think you're very good, so you do the wrong thing, and the wrong thing confirms that you're not really very good. And it's this vicious cycle that just keeps happening in your life. So how do you break that cycle? If you want to change what you do, you have to change what you think about who you are. I want to make sure you understand that, that you are not who Satan says you are. You are not what the negative things in your life say that you are. You're not what your past mistakes say that you are. You're just not. You need to look at who Jesus says you are. Not what other people say, not what the little mind or the little voice inside your mind says, not what you tell yourself. Look what Jesus says and who he says you are. And when you start getting this Christ-centered identity, it breaks the destructive cycle. Again, everything is cyclical in our lives. Maybe you should write this down. Matter of fact, we'll put it out there because it's a little hard to write down. A Christ-centered identity leads to Christ-honoring habits. And Christ-honoring habits reinforce a Christ-centered identity. You get that? A Christ-centered identity leads to Christ-honoring habits. And Christ-honoring habits reinforce a Christ-centered identity. If you want to change, you start with who you are before it's what you do. It's who you are. Look at the person next to you and say, who before do? Just say it. Who I am before what I do. Who I am before what I do. Tell her who I am before what I do. That's so important to remember because it starts with who you are. And instead of focusing on what you want to do, you start with focusing on becoming the person that God wants you to be. Who do you want to become? Maybe for you, it could be lots of things, right? Maybe for you, you could be, I don't know, the man that will lay down his life to serve his family. Maybe that's who you want to become. Serve his children. Maybe for you, you, you want to become a mom who is fully present with their families. I mean, fully present. Maybe you want to be someone who is sober so that people can see the power of Jesus through you. Maybe you want to be a Christian who reads the Word of God every single day. Maybe that's the type of person that you want to be. That's who you start. That's how you start. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. Start with who you are before what you do. Let's play this out, those same scenarios, just for a second. Let's say you say, I want to be a mom who wants to be fully present in their family. Fully present. And every time you're with your kids or you're with your husband or your family, your phone goes off. Or the text message dings. Or the messenger thing dings. What do you do? Do you answer it? Do you put it away? My wife and I have been having this conversation. Not that I want to be a mom that's fully present, but I want to be a husband that's fully present. And I'm telling you, she's laying into me. Because every time my phone goes off, I pick it up. They'll call back if it's important. They'll text you again if it's important. Spend this time focused so that you're fully present. I don't know, maybe for you, you want to be a Christian that reads your Bible every day. 
but you get up and you got to make the coffee because you can't do anything without coffee. And then you got to take care of, for in our house, you got to take care of the dogs and you got food and you got shots. And, and then you got to rest a little bit before you get a shower and get dressed and head off to work, right? Where does the Word of God come in? If you want to be somebody that, that reads your Bible every day, make a plan for that, make that happen because it strengthens everything else about you. There's a fantastic book by James Clear called Atomic Habits, and he says this, every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. No single instance will transform your beliefs, but as the votes build up, so does the evidence of your new identity. Why do you do what you do? Well, you do what you do because of what you think of yourself, because of what you think of who you are. And the moment you start to believe that you can become who God wants you to be, Satan's going to tell you you can't change. He's going to try to drag you back into the same old lifestyle and the same old things. Who are you going to believe? You're going to believe the lies or you're going to believe the truth? Which one? Because who you believe will determine what you do. Listen to this scripture from Ephesians 4. Since you have heard about Jesus... And have learned the truth that comes from him. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and renew your attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So who are you? Who are you? Let me tell you what scripture says about you. It says you're loved. I don't care where you are. I don't care what's happened to you in your life. I don't care what you think about yourself right now. You are loved. There are people here. There are people around you. There are people in your family that love you no matter where you've been or what you've done. You are loved. And to believe that, you need to know that you're forgiven. Because some of us have a past. Actually, all of us have a past. And we're forgiven because of what God has done for us. He sent Jesus into this world to forgive our sins. That's huge. You are a new creation. You're chosen. You're not left on the sidelines. You're chosen. You're the light of the world. You're a child of God. You're not who Satan says you are. You're not who others say you are. You're not who you thought you were. You're free from your past. And now it's time to go and live a powerful, God-honoring life, being the kind of person that you want to be, not the kind of person that you were, the kind of person you are and the kind of person that you will be in your future change by changing who you are, not just what you do. Will you pray with me, please? Father God, I pray for everyone in this room and everyone online right now. May you allow them to see that if they're stuck somewhere, if their life has been, been, been decided by their past, allow them to see that that's not true about their future. God, they can be, they can love because they are loved. They can forgive because they've been forgiven. They can help because they've been helped. God, allow them to see who they are.
can be a powerful thing for their future. Thank you for loving us. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Zach's going to come and lead us in a time of communion. And I'm going to ask for some of our prayer people to come down front. If you need prayer just to talk to someone today, they'll be down here for you as we go through this communion time.